0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Welcome to the 442 podcast. It's the end of the year, and that means one thing end of year awards. I'm Connor Pope, and in this episode I'm going to be talking to my colleagues James Andrew and Chris Flanagan about the 100 best footballers in the world 2019. First revealed in the magazine, available in shops now, and also available to read on 442.com, we'll be going through the whole list and picking out some of our favourites to argue over. But that's not all. In the magazine we also dish out awards for Women's Player of the Year, Performance of the Year, Moment of the Year, Team of the Year, and more. While over Christmas on the website, we'll be revealing the best games of the decade, best managers of the decade, and finally, at New Year, the best players of the 2010s. So keep an eye out for that and enjoy. So it's very simple today. We are here to discuss the 100 best players in the world in 2019. You might be able to hear the hubbub in the background behind us. We've decamped to the pub for this episode. The reason for this is simple. It's Christmas, it's the end of the year, and we kind of felt like it. So joining me today is podcast regular and 442 staff writer, Chris Flanagan. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And making a festive podcast debut, 442 editor, James Andrews. Hello, James, how are you doing? Hi, good to be here, thank you. And are there any particular debuts that you'll be hoping to emulate with today's show?
2: Uh, I was looking back on this, and as a a, a Fulham fan, um, I'd have to look back to... 2001 when Louis Sahar joined us from Mets and uh, scored on his debut against Crewe at the Cottage <laughs> and went on to score 40 goals that season. I find it amazing that
1: Louis Sahar's debut was against Crew Alexander. It feels like it should have been a, a much bigger side.
2: Uh, yeah quite possibly but he did go on to bigger and better I mean, things yeah. and uh, probably
3: boosted confidence by playing against Crew <laughs> on his
2: debut. <laughs> anyway we won't be going through every
1: player in the 100 player list of course so we split the list into five sections of 20 players each and we'll be picking out a couple of players from each section that we particularly want to talk about don't forget you can join the conversation as well online by tweeting us at 442 and using the hashtag fft100 here's players 100 to 81 Nabil Fekir, Lotaro Martinez, Chiro Immobili. Wissam Ben Yeda, Martin Odegaard, Iago Aspas, Dusan Tadic, Gabriel Jesus, Paolo Debala, Lorenzo Insigne, Ricardo Pereira, Romelu Lukaku, Fernandinho, Fabian Ruiz, Jaden Sancho, Mauro Icardi, Mats Hummels, Papu Gomez, Thibaut Courtois, and Giorgio Chiellini. So, to start us off with the 100 to 81 section, you guys picked out a couple of strikers in Serie A from the first section. Uh, Inter Milan's forward partnership, Lotaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku. How successful have they been so far? Uh, Chris, do you want to start?
3: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I've been very impressed by Lotaro Martinez. Um, come to Inter from South America, and I think, well, certainly the Champions League, he's. It seems like he's he's scored in virtually every game. He's also helped Inter to challenge Juventus, which is no mean feat this season. Obviously, Inter, for quite a few years, were nowhere near Juventus' level. Um, I think you're looking at the Argentina team now. You see, obviously, Messi and Aguero are getting towards the end of their careers. And I think you're you're probably going to see that Lautaro Martinez is going to be
1: the man for Argentina for quite a few years once once those two move out of the way. Uh, And James, do you feel that this partnership has maybe filled the whole... That was created by the departure of Mauro
2: Accardi last season. Yeah, I mean, and as Chris as, as Chris said, I mean, it, it, it's it's sort of put into back on the map, really, isn't it? Because it looks like they could at least challenge Juventus and break mm. the monopoly of the s- challenging for the Skeletto. So, um, it's it's an exciting it's an exciting front pair, um, and particularly you wanted to talk
1: about Romelu Lukaku. I'm a massive fan of his. Do you think United were wrong to sell him this summer?
2: I don't know if they were wrong to get rid of him, but I think he, you can get. Written off by some, for if you fail in the Premier League. I don't think he. Def- I definitely don't think he failed in the Premier League. Um, but he's only 26. That's incredible, I th- yeah. I think, I think that gets forgotten quite a lot. He's been around a long time. He, Chelsea signed him as a teenager. He's a very expensive teenager. and He's been in the Premier League for a long time. But he seems to have got a new lease of life at Inter. Um, and let's not forget, he's Belgium's record goal scorer at the age of 26. Um, and that's quite... Scary thinking with the Euros coming up.
1: He also already feels like a player who's had several kind of different uh, types to his game. He's had different ages of his of his career already. Um, Chris, uh, back on Martinez, there's a lot of links that he might end up at Barcelona. Do you see that as something that could happen? Uh, well, I think when you're talking about who would replace Luis Suarez, and
3: obviously that day will come at some point fairly soon, then, yeah, I can see that he would fit that. Um, they, you know, the, the for, forward line, despite having Le- Lionel Messi, <laughs> has not been perfect at, at times this season. Um, and yeah, when you're looking at who's the next generation who's going to dominate European football, he's definitely a contender that he could become that sort of player.
1: Now, what I really noticed about this first section, so 100 to 81, is that in this first 20 players, eight are from Serie A, but in the top 20, obviously we'll come on to that later, only two players are. Do you think this tells us something about the way the Italian league is perhaps falling behind other European leagues a little bit?
3: Maybe a little bit. I mean, you only have to look at uh, Lukaku for the fact that obviously he wouldn't be in Serie A had he succeeded in the Premier League. That's, that's sadly the reality of that for Serie A. Um, so, well, obviously he succeeded in the Premier League for a long time, but succeeded at Man United, and, I mean. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you tend to find now that it's, it's not like the 90s where all the best players are in Serie A. Um, generally speaking, all the best players, or most of the best players, are going to be in the Premier League in Spain.
1: And uh, one of these Serie A names uh, in this section might be unfamiliar to many listeners. Um, Chris, can you tell us who the hell Papu Gomez is? Yes, <laughs> I mean I, I'm a big fan of this guy.
3: He's been at Atalanta for a few years now. Um, and I think if you if you want one player, that's the big reason why Atalanta have gone from you know, a, a pretty unheralded team in, in Serie A to Champions League last 16, then it's Papu Gomez. Um, he's, you know, a diminutive number 10, um, perhaps a little bit of a Zola type, a little bit of Shakiri type. Very, you know, very dangerous from in and around the box, creates goals, scores goals, set pieces. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of his. And the, the, the one thing I like about him as well is he once got into a, a media storm for two-footing his four-year-old son in a <laughs> in, a, uh, in, a, in a game on a beach once. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, probably, to be fair, even though his son was four, you know, Papu Gomez is only five foot six, so he's probably not the big diff- differential that you <laughs> expect.
1: Um, and James, in at number 86, he's had a fantastic year this season. Our listeners will know who Jaden Sancho is, obviously. We had a big cover interview with him in, in the March issue ahead of his England debut. Uh, do you think we're going to see him in the Premier League soon?
2: Um, and should he
1: come back to the Premier
2: League? Well, I mean, before we get to that, I th- I, what I really like and have, I like about players generally is when they... English players or British players generally is when they do go and test themselves abroad. And I think over the last 20, 30 years, not enough players have done it. Players have done it towards the end of their career um, or when they'd already made their name. But, you know, you can... I think Sanchez is a great example of he wasn't getting a chance at Manchester City mm. and he's gone to Dortmund and... You know, if you fear, oh, I might, I might get overlooked, I'll get forgotten. He hasn't been. He's in the England squad. He scored two goals against Kosovo. He'll be in the plans. He'll be in the talking for the for the yeah. Euros. And he's only 19. And will he come back to the Premier League? I think there'll be a lot of teams looking at him. Um, I don't know if Man City have a buyback clause on him. Um, Chelsea's interesting. Um, having their transfer ban listed. Would yeah. they go and spend that kind of money on somebody in January? I don't know, but... Uh, he's the kind of player that they, he could do well at Chelsea, you think? So I think we will inevitably see him back in the Premier League, but I don't think there's any rush for him.
1: Players 80 to 61, starting with Samir Handanovic, Jamie Vardy, Rodri, Harry Maguire, Mikel Oyarzabal, Ried Mores, Clement Langlet, Luis Suarez, Toby Aldeviro, Ivan Rakitic, Marquinhos, Vocech Szesny, Danny Perejo, Manuel Neuer, Milan Skriniar, Keylor Navas, Saul Niguez, Timo Werner, Axel Witzel and Koke. Matt Ladson of Liverpool Fan Empire This Is Anfield recently wrote a review of the Reds' decade for the 442 website in which he hailed Luis Suarez as their best signing of the 2010s. I feel like when we're not watching him week in, week out, people might forget just how good he is. Do you think that's fair? Jim? I
2: do definitely think that's fair, yeah. And, and, and I think um, TV has a lot to do with this. I mean, La Liga is uh, is not on uh, mainstream satellites anymore. It's, you know, it's getting its own channel in the, in the new year, which is very exciting. But it's not on Sky, which is what I guess most football fans would have Sky Sports and have access yeah, as yeah. they used to. Um and he acknowledges himself that he's he is getting older and he's not going to be able to um, compete at that level um, forever. Um, but I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he's still um, still had a good year, um, still averaging thirty five goals a season. I think you know. So, so do you think age? He's thirty two now, isn't he? So do you think
1: age is catching up with him, or was he is he doing this messy like thing where he's just adapting his game
2: a little bit because he used to be so fast? He could he could well do. Um, I mean, he said he said earlier this year um, there's going to come a time when um, age doesn't let me uh, perform necessarily to the level to compete at Barcelona. Um, So, yeah, it's up to him whether or not, you know, he wants to adapt his game and carry on playing um, at Barcelona or whether or not he just goes off and maybe, you know, returns back to South America, goes and plays in Uruguay or or somewhere Mm. else in Europe. Um,
1: So he's at number 73 in our list. Fast forward 10 places at 63, we've got RB Leipzig's forward Timo Werner. Chris, he's only 23, he's being linked with Liverpool and Chelsea. You've been to see him play, what kind of player would they be getting? Um, well, pace
3: is the number one thing for sure. Um, a very clever player, um, can play wide if needed, um, a good finisher, will score goals. Uh, he's been consistently good for Leipzig for a long time now I think it's it's only the fact that it's, it's very hard to get a top player out of leipzig because obviously they don't need the money um I think otherwise I think you would have seen him move a lot lot earlier um, it's interesting, that it's, um, when I went and saw him a while back, he said he's actually, as a kid, he followed English football and he was a fan of both Liverpool and Manchester United. <laughs> and I pointed out to Timo, you can't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed at it, but I'm,
1: I'm sure his agent would be pretty it. pleased with it in terms of the prospects, <laughs> it opens up to him.
3: Yes, well, I th- yeah, he, he, he certainly admired both clubs, so I think, you know, he'd, he'd certainly... I got, I got the impression, well, in fact, he said... That one day he'd love to play in the Premier League. He said it at that point. This was 18 months ago, before the World Cup. At that point, he, w- he maybe wasn't quite ready for it. He wasn't. He wasn't too sure whether his English would be up for it. I'll t- I'll to be honest, his English was perfectly fine. Right. Um, but yeah, again, you, you'll see him move at some point. And I think the fact that we're probably going to see Holland go to Leipzig from so-
1: uh, from Salzburg. Right, okay. That might open the way for Werner to make to finally make that move at some point. And. Uh, obviously Euro 2020 coming up next summer is he the kind of player that could really you know break onto the scene there?
3: Absolutely I mean to be honest it, it was surprised to me that it didn't happen at the World Cup Our, we did that interview thinking that he was going to be you know he, he was replacing Miroslav Kloster who kind of left left the uh, the Germany team and we thought this is this is now going to be a time that he steps up and scores a lot of goals at the World Cup now obviously it didn't go well for Germany at the World Cup and sadly it didn't go well for him there either but the fact he's Continue scoring goals regularly in the Bundesliga since then suggests that sooner or later it will happen for him at a tournament.
0: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Players 60 to 41. Gareth Bale, Nicolas Sula, Christian Eriksson, Tony Kroos, Marco Reyes, Sergio Ramos, Paul Pogba, Serge Gnabry, Marco Verratti, Hakim Ziyech, Frankie De Jong, Santi Cazorla, Rafael Varane, Thiago Silva, Jorginho Wijnaldum, Thiago Alcantara, Jan Vertonghen, Sergio Busquets, Matthias Delict, and Angel Di Maria. At number 60, Gareth Bale. He's another player we had a big interview with this year, uh, in my opinion as well, one of the coolest looking features we had all year. It looks absolutely fantastic. But it has been a tumultuous 2019, shall we say. James is he on the list purely for his Wales performances?
2: Well, maybe, but I I mean, I find it staggering that he is in this position at Real Madrid where he's not being played. He is a serious talent. Um, He's proved that for Real Madrid, Um, and it's baffling that you know they spend a lot of money on him. Maybe that doesn't mean you know too much to them, and they they can afford just to let him go. But. I was very, very pleased when the deal to China fell through. Uh, I think he's better than that at, at this stage of his career. Um, either stay and fight for your place yeah. at Real Madrid, as he did do. I mean, unfortunately, I think in his first chance back he got sent off. But all um, come back to the Premier League. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of clubs who would want him. Maybe only a handful who could afford him. Yeah. But, I mean, you mentioned Wales. It's, it's an exciting Wales team, like it was a couple of years ago. Um, they've got there. They're going to Baku twice, um, <laughs> and you know, with the likes of him, Ramsey, Daniel James, who knows? They could, they could, they could surprise teams again. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if they do, he will be—he will play a major part in that. And he's still—he's um, still a major force in, in European and world football, I think. And I, I think I'm slightly coming across as being obsessed with age here, but he's only <laughs> thirty. <laughs> so.
1: It felt like his year began almost with that 4-4-2 interview in which he said that he'd not spoken to Zidane since he scored that Mm. wonder goal in the Champions League final against Liverpool. Weeks after that, Zidane then became Real Madrid manager and it kind of felt like maybe Bale's year finished in a way with that flag that read Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order. Um, Do you really think that that comment about not speaking to Zidane set the tone for 2019 um, sort of I mean I think I think
3: no matter what once Zidane came back there was going to be an issue it was obviously there was an issue before in his first spell yeah um, as much as Zidane denies it there's obviously some underlying issue there um, so yeah I think I think you know as soon as it looked like Zidane was coming back that was never going to be good, good news for Bale it's, it's weird though you look you look you're trying to ass- assess his, his legacy at Real Madrid now You think, well, he's won all these Champions Leagues. He scored that amazing goal against uh, Barcelona in the Copa del Rey final. He scored that amazing goal in the Champions League final. And yet, despite all of that, his legacy there is still almost as if he's a failure, which is weird. It's just a very strange situation. Hmm. He's achieved achieved more more than pretty much any British player in history at Real Madrid.
1: And yet, still, we regard it as some sort of failure. And I I find that very strange. We were watching the Copa del Rey final goal again in the office the other day. It's still remarkable. I think it's even. I remember it as a fantastic goal, and it still manages to be even better. The than the fact I that it? he
3: took his touch, then ran down the tunnel, then came yeah. back, back <laughs> to the pitch again, and continued?
1: It, it does nearly take out one of the managers. Now there's another name we're about to talk about, which I find to be a surprise inclusion. I'd kind of forgotten about him. Santi Cazorla is not only on the list, but he's in the top fifty. Um, he's thirty-five years old. To you know, take James's lead on talking about people's <laughs> ages so much. But he also suffered that horrific injury. Um, Chris, have you gone completely mad? Why? why is Santi Cazorla? Well, I the might list? have gone completely mad, but, <laughs> <laughs> but not, on the, not on this. Not on this instance. Right, anyway. okay.
3: <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think you look at it now. Okay, he's 35, but he's he's back as a regular in the Spain team. He's one of the best players in the Liga again with VRAL. Not you know, n- with all respect to them, not not one of the absolute top teams in the league yet. Mm. He's he's achieved all this, and yeah, it's it's just an incredible story. I mean, I, I went out to to meet him uh, last month, which obviously you could read the interview in this this month's magazine, and his story is just incredible. He he was he didn't play for what, two, two years. Um, he, he had he had the, all these, t- I think, 10 operations on his ankle. This skin graft with a tattoo had to go onto his, onto his Achilles. And he said, basically, he used to phone his wife at night and say, no, that, I, can't, I can't keep doing this. You know, when he was, when he was in the hospital trying to recover. Yeah. Saying, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any progress. I, I, I'm gonna have to, tomorrow I'm going to have to tell him I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire. And his, his wife would say, no, just keep going, keep going. And he said, OK, for you, I'll do that. And I think he, he promised his son as well that he'd keep going. And eventually he made progress with it. He came back. And the thing was, as soon as he got back on the pitch, the one thing he never did was he never forgot how to play football and play football really well. It was just a case of being fit enough to get on that pitch. And as soon as he was fit again, he was, he was Santi Cazorla again. He, he was a great player. And to be honest, now you look at, what, at Arsenal... He put him back at Arsenal. He'd be Arsenal's best midfielder. He'd also be the captain that they've been missing for the last two years. They've had Kershelny, which was, we know how that ended with the captaincy. We had they had Shaka, you know how that that went with the captaincy. None of that would have happened if they had had Santi Cazorla there. He would have, he would have led that club. I'm not saying I'm not saying they would have been a definite top four because they still have big problems there. But he would have helped that club so much by still being there.
1: For players 40 21, Casemiro, Dries Mertens, Karim Benzema, Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang, Danny Carvajal, David De Gea, Jose Jimenez, Joshua Kimmich, Jordi Alba, Luca Modric, Son Hyungmin, Min, Fabinho, Gerard Piquet, Miralem Pianic, Trent Alexander Arnold, Andy Robertson, Edison, Neymar, Antoine Griezmann, and Immerich Laporte. At number 30 is the Spurs forward Son Heung-min. He'll surely remember 2019 as the year he didn't have to do military service uh, during a period of heightened tensions between South Korea and North Korea after winning the Asian Games last year. Um, Chris, why else was 2019 a good year for him?
3: I just think he's getting better and better as as the years go on. I I liked him a lot when he was in, in the Bundesliga with Leverkusen. Um, I thought when, when they signed him, yeah, that, that's going to be a good signing. And he, to be fair, he made a slightly... Sl- I mean, he, he didn't make, a, make a, a bad start, but he made it slightly slower start than I, I expected. And now he's just come through and, and it's just like I say, he's just getting better and better. And, he's, you know, you, you look at the talent he's got and that, that front four that Spurs have been playing quite a lot recently of, of Kane, him, Moura and Ali. And you can see the, you know, that that works so well together. And the goal he scored against Burnley, when he ran from, from his own penalty area, almost yeah. George Weyer-like, it was, uh, <laughs> he was fantastic. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's just
1: one of the best, you know, he's undisputably one of the best players in the world. I think George Weyer-like is one of the highest praises you can give to a football player, isn't it? Um, but he's also filled in for Harry Kane at points this season, which, you know, is not easy for anyone, but particularly when it's for Tottenham, I think that is incredible.
2: I think that's a really good point. The, and that's almost how he started, was as Harry Kane's understudy, um, and now obviously, as Chris said, that he is part of the a sort of attacking four. But um, it's very difficult in this day and age to go and find someone. when you've got a player like Harry Kane is, who is prolific as he is, to go and find someone and go, you're going to be his, you know, his yeah, understudy. Yeah. Um, but I just love his attitude. I love the way that you know he's coming and you know now he's got his place. That, He's one of the first names on that team sheet, you know, first for Pochettino and now for Mourinho. Um,
1: he doesn't strike me as a typical Mourinho attacker. Is that a problem for him, do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I think Mourinho's gone in, gone in there and I think he's going to have to work with what he's got, really, rather right. than... Um
3: well, I don't see why he isn't a typical Mourinho Mourinho attacker. What, what, what sense do you mean? You think?
1: Well, so my my I guess what I meant was if you think about the way that Mourinho treated Lukaku at Man United, mm. where if you watch old clips of Lukaku now, it is almost like watching a different human being. He looks, yes. he's got yeah, a completely yeah. different body shape, and actually, you know, Son Heung-min is not a is not a Drogba, and he's not a current-day Lukaku. No,
3: but, I mean I think the thing with Son is that he doesn't have to play in that central role. And you think back to, you know, players that, that Mourinho had at Chelsea, people like Arjen Robin. I mean, I'm not saying he's obviously the same sort of player as Arjen Robin, but that sort of pace from a wide area, and that, that works so well for Mourinho at, at Chelsea. And, and that's what, you know, quite often now when, when Kane's playing and they're both playing, what, what Son's giving,
1: giving him at Spurs? So we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson, the Liverpool fullbacks, at joint 25th and 26th place in this mm. list. Fullbacks have obviously drastically changed over the past few years, but these two kind of feel different even by those standards. They've become the creative engine for Jurgen Klopp's side. Um, why why are they so high up, and, and what are they kind of doing that's so interesting, Chris?
3: Well, I mean, like you say, I mean the, their impact on the Liverpool team has, has been tremendous, and particularly, I mean, Robertson a couple of years back or a year back anyway was probably a, a little bit ahead of Alexander Arnold and now they're, they've, you know, they're pretty much at the same level I've been really impressed particularly by the progress that Alexander-Arnold has made I think there was, a, there was a period a while back where Klopp would still sometimes if there was a really big game against top opposition he wouldn't quite trust him defensively yeah. and occasionally he'd, he'd leave him out for those games now I think he'll, he trusts him no matter what and he's improved defensively and that, that those attacking talents that he always had are getting better and better and it, you know the, the assists that those two come up with week in, week out, you know, they dominate the assist charts, well, apart from maybe De Bruyne. Um, and, yeah, both, they're both incredible players and quite, you know, quite
1: possibly the two best fullbacks in the world now. There's a trend of modern fullbacks moving into midfield eventually. Do you see that as a, as a next step for either of, of these two, do you think?
3: I don't think so. I think I think the positions they're in are right for them, and it works for Liverpool. I think if you put them further forward, you so, you sometimes find. I mean, uh, like for instance, when when they tried to play Danny Alves in the right wing and things like that, I think occasionally in the past, he's okay there, but he's 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 a great attacker for a fullback. He maybe wouldn't be quite as great attacker as a, uh, for a winger. Um, those positions are just perfect for what for what those two players for what Alexander Allen Robertson give you.
2: I, th- I think that they, I think I agree with Chris I think that they will stay you do see that as you say mm. um, a player who's not on this list yet um, who will be in years to come for many years to come Ryan yeah. Um when <laughs> I saw him start at Fulham he started as a left back and, and then he quickly moved up to be a, a left yeah, winger yeah. and it was it was apparent then that that was where he should be and I think Spurs will see that as well but I don't see that with these two I think that they will stay as full backs and continue to um I'm going to create this, assistant. Yeah.
1: Here we go. The good stuff. The top 20. At 20, we've got David Silva, and Kalidu Koulibaly, Ungolo Kante, Bernardo Silva, Eden Hazard, Sergio Aguero, Roberto Firmino, Alison Marc-Andre Tostegan, Harry Kane, and into the top 10, Sadio Mane, Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, Robert Lewandowski, Jan Oblak, Kylian Mbappe at number five, Cristiano Ronaldo at four, Mohamed Salah at three, at two Virgil van Dijk and the best player in the world 2019 Lionel Messi. I want to start with the obvious question from the top 20 uh, which is that there's three goalkeepers in the top 20, are they even footballers? James, what, how, what is going on? Are, are goalkeepers just more important now than they used to be?
2: I don't know if they're more important than they used to be, but they are incredibly important, without a doubt. <laughs> um, and I think good ones are harder to find. You, you, know, you see with some of the transfer fees that are being paid for top goalkeepers. If you've got a good goalkeeper... Then you've got a very, very good chance in in, in winning something that season, mm. and I think that uh, you know teams realise that. So yes, they are absolutely <laughs> a key key part of the squad. Um, and it, it, you know, three out of twenty, and it's not you know that uh, that's probably about right. See, I think. To Stegen
1: at Barcelona was someone that you particularly kind of wanted to. Yeah, to arguably focus Germany's on. best goalkeeper,
2: but not you know we could be in a situation like England were in the. Um, in the, in the 70s, I think it was, when Chilton and Clements were fighting it out. You've got Ter Stegen and uh, Manuel Neuer fighting it out for the number one jersey. Um, and, well, Ter Stegen's number 12 in this list and uh, Manuel is further down. Um, so, who, who's going to get the gloves at the Euros? I mean, we don't know at the moment, but, I mean, there was a quote that, um, I think it was a former Bayern Munich uh, uh, president said that if uh, Ter Stegen was picked Ahead of uh, Manuel Neuer, then he would withdraw all um, Bayern Munich players from the <laughs> Germany squad. I'm sure Bayern d- Munich
3: players be delighted <laughs> by that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> which would have been interesting, but it would have left uh, Germany with the best goalkeeper that they've got in their country, in my opinion. So, um, <laughs> But no other players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Chris, I mean, would we ever have really seen a list in pastures that have so many goalkeepers so high up?
3: Uh, well, I mean, I, I think certainly you, you are starting to see goalkeepers being more highly regarded now. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like All Black. Um, he's just well. He, Atletico played against Juventus the other week, and actually, um, Dibala's goal was the first mistake I've see, seen him make for about six years. He's just faultless, I and mean, Atletico is consistently the best defense and the, well, the, the best defensive record, and he's a big part of that. He's just so steady and. Um, I went to see him about 12 months ago and he was saying basically that he he doesn't feel the age he is he feels like he's a 40 year old and you can see you can see through that that mentality actually why he's so good in that he's just so calm he he, even though he doesn't have the experience of a 40 year old he has that mentality that van de Sarge is complete utter calmness um and yeah he's just faultless um and Alisson, obviously, is another one I, I really like. The, the impact, obviously, everyone talks about Van Dijk and Liverpool. Alisson, if, if he is behind Van Dijk, he's only just behind Van Dijk and the impact he's made since signing in terms of taking them from where they were to where they are now. Um, There's no doubt for, for years, Liverpool should have sorted out that goalkeeper position way before they did. It cost them the Champions League the year before. Um, and he, he has sorted that position out. He's Obviously, great on the ball, um, and just a brilliant goalkeeper. And I still, still, slightly can't believe that about fifteen months ago, I was sat in a hotel. Where we were doing a big feature interview with him, and there he was, it uh, doing a photo shoot in in his full goalkeeper kit, gloves, <laughs> boots, and all, sat in the bath, brushing his teeth. And apparently, that really happened.
1: So, <laughs> the I mean, on on the topic of his kit, that full all black kit that he wears nowadays, which looks fantastic and makes him, I think, look even bigger than he mm. is and kind of has that slight resonance of uh, Levi mm. for the USSR. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that kit has been sold out in the Liverpool club shop since the day uh, it went on sale, which I find incredible for a goalkeeper jersey. Um, but
2: yeah, and that, and that just shows how uh, how big a deal they actually they, yeah, they really yeah. are. Interesting that about the, I, I didn't know that about the uh, well, I mean, your opinion on the black making him look bigger because yeah. if you go back into the '90s, it was all about bright colours. Yeah, it was yeah. all about you know Schmeichel wearing sort of big uh, bright green goalkeeping shirts <laughs> yeah. or so that multicoloured one that he wore for Denmark mm. uh, at Euro '92, um, and well, obviously Campos's uh, oh, self-designed self-design yeah, kit. Yeah. in uh, <laughs> It was at '94. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: um, Raheem Sterling, is, he's at number nine on this list. Um, he's another recent 442 cover star. Chris, we've already spent a mm, whole yeah. podcast episode chatting about him and how great he is. Do you think people will be surprised not to see him even a little bit higher on this list? Um, there's, an, there's an argument for it. Um, I, think, I think number
3: nine is, is probably about right, but I certainly, I think there was no doubt that he should be in the top ten. Now, actually, I remember... When I, when I saw him uh, a few months back I said to him what position do you think you should be and he sort of thought about it as if he wanted to give an answer but he thought no nah, I better not answer that question <laughs> no, no matter what I say it's not <laughs> I can't give a right answer that but I said to him well I think you should be top 10 and he, he sort of he, he at least kind of acknowledged that as a compliment as right man. okay <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I, I think you know he st- he's still a little a little way behind the messy messies of this world at the moment yeah. um, who knows what improvements ahead of, ahead for him? He could he could continue moving up that list. Obviously, at the age he's at, and particularly with, hopefully a, a good you know we all love to think a, a good a good England Euros ahead. That would certainly move him up the list as well.
2: It's, it's fascinating to I mean I'm sure you spoke about this in the last podcast, but it's fascinating to think of his rise really because I mean I was at the last Euros um, in France and <laughs> watching England, and and he was. Not the most popular man in the stands. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, people were calling for him to be dropped. Um, fast forward four years. If he was to pick up an injury towards the end of the season, I'm pretty sure most national newspapers would be publishing whatever part of the body part um, <laughs> uh, was injured and, and asking us all to pray at a certain time that he, he's fit for the tournament. You know, he is. He is England's um, maybe aside from Harry Kane, one of England's most uh, important players. And. And for Man City as well, he's, he's, he's done incredibly well. He's, he's really come... And, uh, you know, I imagine that's down to his own personal sort of development and realising that he needed to sort of change a little bit. But also working under Pep Guardiola, I'm sure, has had a huge impact on him. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, here's a big one. I, I, I think this is a really big call and there will be people calling for our heads on the internet as we speak. Cristiano Ronaldo is not in the top two. He's not even in the top three. Cristiano Ronaldo is fourth in this list. What's going on? Can either of you tell me? Um, Well, obviously the answer is, sadly, as he's getting older. I mean,
0: you know, as much as... Ravaged by time. It'd be lovely that (laughs) in
3: 2071 that Ronaldo and Messi were still (laughs) the top two in this list. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Likelihood is probably that wasn't going to be the case. At some point this was going to come and... Yeah, there's no doubt he's, he's not dominated Europe in the same sense this year. Yeah, there's been some question marks over, you know, the impact that he's making at the event. Is it you know, it's by no means inconsiderable, but it's not he's not as all all dominating as he once was. Um, and yeah, I think the interesting thing will be with the Euros coming up, what impact he has for Portugal, because you know, despite you know the club form maybe not being. Quite at the level he was two or three years back. He's still scoring goals left, right, and centre for Portugal. Um, he's closing in on the the all time record for international goals, which I think he'll get there. It's just a case of when. Um, and obviously, you know the la- the last Euros. Although you know it wasn't all about him. Still, he was a big part of a, a team that won that tournament, and they won the Nations League uh, last summer as well. So it'd be interesting to see what impact he has on that. If he doesn't have an impact on the on the on the Euros then you might start to see people start to write him off. Now, whether that that might be premature, but
1: such is the way the media, that probably will be what happens. We were working out the other day in the office how many goals off the all-time international Mm. gold record he is. I think he's 10 goals off, is that right? So, my question to you guys, do you think he will break that record at Euro 2020?
2: Well, there were a couple of games before as well, so potentially three or four games before aren't there um, yes
3: I think unless he's got some friends against San Marino lined up <laughs> probably not quite he'll not be far off but yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to score seven or eight goals a year so he might be just a little bit short but he'll, he'll get there eventually
2: I mean, Chris mentioned his age and, and look there's no, there's no doubt that you know he is getting older but I don't know if you saw his goal recently uh, for Juventus where he seemed to Break the high jump record, yeah. yeah. In, in t- um, while heading, you know, it's quite phenomenal, really. Yeah. Um, and I don't know too many other players who would be able to score a goal like that. Um, he is still, in my opinion, if you were if you were asking me if I was picking a team and I was looking to win a trophy, who and I had to pick between Messi and Ronaldo, I would have Ronaldo every time. Wow, that's a big call. I mean, d- d- but I think he makes pl- makes players around him better.
1: Uh, mentioning that, that goal that he recently scored where he seemed to hang in the air for yeah. an age. Um, it was slow motion. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, I read afterwards that uh, he, he can jump up to 28 inches, which is the average jumping height of an NBA star, which I find phenomenal. Like, imagine jumping that high that you, you could effectively be one of the best basketball players in the world. That is incredible. Chris, you
3: know you where know you learn that from, don't you? Was it you? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, no, uh, I remember uh, speaking to Kevin Davis about three years back, and he was saying uh, he was saying that yeah, I was in a bar with Ronaldo once in Manchester when when Ronaldo was about nineteen, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was
1: giving him tips on heading.
3: So he So <laughs> I on to Kevin Davis. Never forget
1: that. I, I'm sure I will never forget that Kevin Davis taught Cristiano Ronaldo how <laughs> to head. Um, all right, let's move on to the top two. Let's just go straight to the top one. When you put this list together, was Leo Messi's the first name that you put down next to a number?
3: Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean th- there was an argument for Van Dyke this year. There certainly was. Um, I think you look at what, achieve, what Van Dyke has achieved this year, and certainly it is more than Messi. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, but if you're just asking the question, who is the best player in the world, it's still Lionel Messi. Um, you know, his, his talent is just incredible. He, he continues to score goals year in, year out. Um, and now that Ronaldo isn't competing with him for that, that honour at the moment of being the best player in the world, you know, at the moment, it, it still has to be Messi. As, as amazing as the year Van Dyke has had, and as a worthy
1: winner as he would have been,
3: If you just boil it down to that simple question, who is the best player in the world? It's Lionel Messi.
1: So Neymar says that there should be a separate Ballon d'Or for for Lionel Messi, just so that all the other players who've had incredible seasons can at least get something, while we just respect the fact that Messi is on another plane. Is he right? Can you really judge other players? No, I I,
2: I don't think so. I I mean, that would be like saying... uh, (laughs) We, we, we should have Grand Slam tennis tournaments without, the, uh, without uh, Nadal, Federer, <laughs> Djokovic and Murray uh, when they were at their yeah. Um No, he is, he is, as Chris said, um, widely regarded as the best player in the world and has been for a long, long time now. And, um, you know, players have to match his standard or, or surpass his standard. And, and he should be what everybody uh, aspires to be. Mm. There shouldn't be a separate award for him and people yeah. should be uh, <laughs> um, spared competition from him.
1: I, I kind of I have a lot of sympathy for it. I just it, you can't really judge other football players by someone like him. It's almost like he's not really a footballer. Well, that's why he's we've just got number two else. on the list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about <laughs> tell me about number two, Virgil Van Dijk. Um, is it harder for defenders to do well on lists like this? Do you think?
3: Um, well, uh, inevitably it is. I mean, you know, you look at history and how many defenders have won the big honors. Uh, you know, it's, since two thousand and six in Cannavaro... No, play, no defenders won the Ballon d'Or, um, so yeah, no, it is it is harder because inevitably everyone's going to be drawn to the players who score the goals, which again is testament to just how good a year he's had, undoubtedly in that amazing Liverpool team. That all of that front three are all incredible players, yet still there's pretty much no doubt who is the best player in that Liverpool team, who has had the most impact. It's Van Dijk, um, and he's just you know he doesn't make a mistake, he he makes everyone else around him calmer in a way that the, other, the defenders that played in that Liverpool team before him didn't, the goalkeeper that played in that Liverpool team before Alisson didn't. He, not only is he doing well himself, it's what he's done for the rest of that team. Um, no, he's been... I mean, I think Jamie Carragher says in, in this issue that he will, be, he will be seen as the greatest Premier League defender, well, greatest defender in Premier League history, and I think, I think you can't argue with that. that that's correct.
2: It's bizarre to think back how many years it was when they signed him from Southampton and yeah less pe- than 2 years ago. And people were quibbling over the price and thinking yeah. oh was that a lot of money for a defender, you know, is uh, uh, have they lost but you know he will be the player along with Alisson as, as Chris mentioned who will be the difference when they win the title this year and they will end 30 years of hurt on Mersey side and, and
3: the only way that Liverpool won't win the title is if Van Dijk gets injured now and even then I think actually the might be far so far clear that but that's yeah. the only thing that can stop I them.
2: mean again we saw it uh, we saw recently in the Club World Cup when he didn't play. Um, and it looks a bit, you know, Liverpool did get through uh, to the final, but it did, it did look like the Liverpool of old, really. Yeah. Um, and so he just brings so much to that team. Um, and, yeah, I mean, £75 million will uh, look like nothing in come May, I think, when they're... Uh... So do you think that, given we,
1: we accept that it's harder for defenders to do well on lists like this, do you think there's still a case that maybe... We're still underrating Virgil van Dijk.
2: Possibly. But I think, you know, I think Chris mentioned it, you know, despite you look at the Liverpool front three and that is really, really exciting. More and more people are, are seeing the impact that van Dijk is having on that team. Yeah. And realising how important it is. So I think he is getting the recognition he deserves. Um, and, you know, Jamie Carragher, I mean, he, he, he talks, as, as Chris mentioned again, uh, about him being... Potentially the best Premier League defender ever, Um, and he talks about John Terry and and comparing him to John Terry, and I I think that that's fair. I think I think when Van Dyke hangs up his boots, which is you know a long way from now, he probably will have surpassed uh, every defender before him in terms of what he achieves and what he brought to the team.
3: And there's one other thing that perhaps people don't talk about as much is that his form for the Netherlands and how how the Netherlands have improved. Now, okay. You know, they've had other players come through like Delict and De Jong and etc. that have contributed. But you consider how bad the Netherlands were two years ago and how good they are now. You know, it's not impossible they could challenge to win the Euros. And again, his impact in that is key.
1: Finally, I want one player from both of you that is missing from this list. In the spirit of, of you know, kind of. Uh, respecting that we don't maybe always get things right or that, that we could have made different choices along the way Chris I think you're ready to go who, who would you have
3: Ashley Barnes
1: <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> <laughs> we do oh. love Ashley Barnes <laughs> I, I really here at do 442 he's fantastic
3: <laughs> uh, ok on a serious note I think Philip Coutinho is probably a little bit unlucky not to be in there I know he's not had a, a great year but he's still for me he's still easily within the top 100 players in the world and I think Joe, Joe Felix as well I mean I think again it he, he will rise up that list as the years go on, but I think he's a really exciting talent. Yeah. If James? Uh, I think a
2: player that we're already starting to hear a lot about um, and we'll hear a lot, lot more about uh, is Haaland. Uh, it looks like he will be in the Premier League, if not in January, by the summer. And um, he's only 19. He's scoring goals in the Champions League. I think he'll be... Uh, he, I think he's unlucky not to make this top 100, but I think... Um, He'll be on. He'll be in this list for many years to come. Uh, from next year on,
1: I have to say that if there is one player that I'm absolutely sick of hearing of it is Erling Braut Haaland. I mean, as an editor of a football website, the number of transfer rumours about him every single day is absolutely incredible. And the fact that people read them every single day. know it's like a million isn't? goals a game. Oh, no, he's very, very good, but <laughs> I'm, I'm bored of him by now. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, obviously, neither of you got the correct answer, which was uh, Bradley Dack. Right, but okay. he should have been yes. in the yeah, top yeah. 100. I'm sure when... Once he's in the Premier League very soon, when Blackman get into the playoffs at the end of the season. And uh, Ashley Bond's 102. I would have had him. (laughs) Um, I mean,
2: Alexander Mitrovic has had a very good. uh, (laughs) Chris, uh, any
1: Bolton (laughs) players that you want (laughs) to? Kevin Um, Davis? Current Bolton players? No. (laughs) no. (laughs) Anyway, Chris, James, thank you very much and uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Thanks to James and Chris for joining us today. Don't forget you can have your own say by tweeting us at 442 and using the hashtag FFT100. You can subscribe to the magazine for less than £3 an issue by going to myfavouritemagazines.co.uk forward slash FFTpodcast19. You get 13 mags a year with brilliant interviews with the likes of Raheem Sterling, Jurgen Klopp, Diego Maradona and Jadon Sancho as well as features that cover football from around the world, from how Monterey got to the World Club Cup, the football team that had to flee the Chernobyl disaster, to how Alfredo Di Stefano got kidnapped. We'll be back with more podcasts and exactly those kind of stories in 2020, so subscribe now to make sure you don't miss out. The music you've heard is from Hal Griff, also available on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening.